Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Uh, Noel, uh, I, I feel bad. We pronounced Harvey Guillen's name wrong last week, and we knew we were pronouncing it wrong at the time. Right. Um, but the fact that I was like, the fact that I didn't go, I said, oh, there's an accent on the E, and I didn't go, also, there's two L's, and two L means Y. <laughs> was, okay. Was yeah, you, you should know that. I should know that, but. You should really know that. Yeah, that, that that's like I should I should I should really know that. Anyways, uh, apologies to Harvey Guillen, who I also enjoyed this week on uh, Zoe's extraordinary playlist. More on that when we get to our week in TV. Not enough Harvey content uh, this no. week, but or the character is George. Uh, but still enjoyed that one. We'll be talking about it in a bit. We have a couple other bits of news here at the top um, because because Noel actually did some research. This time, thank you, Noel, because I did not. <laughs> um, but I do remember hearing about one of these this week, which is that Insecure will be ending with its upcoming fifth season. So that's even more impetus for me to get caught up because I am behind on season four. Um, but I really I'm behind enjoyed... on season one. <laughs> I know, I know. See, but I don't feel somehow. I don't think that's as bad because I've seen and really liked everything I've seen so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And uh, like had it in my top 20 pretty much every year it's been eligible. Um, and except this year when I was so behind that I didn't feel like I could make a good assessment of it. Um, so, so like not having like dipped your toe in, you don't know what you're missing. I know what I'm behind on. So I, I will endeavor to get caught up. Um, and soon the other bit of news here is that Queen Sugar has been renewed for season six. Um, season five will be starting in uh, February. So that's exciting for us. Um, they apparently have a revamped story due to, you know, 2020. Um, so so I had not heard about this at all. So I'm excited for for the show getting out there. Like, seriously, May Queen Sugar run Grey's Anatomy style just like forever until <laughs> until everybody who's doing it doesn't want to do it anymore and they've like cycled out a bunch of the cast and like and as long as the creatives at the top are telling stories they want to tell um and they I guess it, as long as it doesn't become terrible it had to go down a lot for me to not want Queen Sugar to keep getting renewed so this is very good news as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it is great news. And I was excited to see the season five start date because I was wondering where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had not realized that Ava DuVernay went to own and was just like, we're re we're going to rewrite large chunks of season five to reflect the BLM, BLM protests as well as incorporate the pandemic, um, which I'm very excited to see how they handle both of those things. Yeah. So I'm 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 pumped and I'm excited about that renewal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be talking about that before too long. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this week at the end of the show, we are diving in with Young Justice Outsiders, which is now on HBO Max. So, you know, very excited that we can dive in with that. That is going to be at the end of the show. But this week, we ha- we got so confident last week, listeners. We're like, we got three segments. Oh, we're back. We're, we're back to, to two. <laughs> we're back to two. But um, it, it's going to be a fun conversation nonetheless. There's plenty of things to dive in with. So looking forward to that. Let's take a break. Listen to Alex Newell just crush some Sam Smith. And we'll be right back with our Week in TV. You must think that I'm stupid. You must think that I'm a fool. You must think that I'm new to this. Too good at goodbyes. 
That was Alex Newell singing Too Good at Goodbyes from this week's episode of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. This week in TV, we're going to kick things off with Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. The episode is Zoe's Extraordinary Distraction. Then we have The Amber Ruffin Show, uh, January 8th, 2021. Um, All Creatures Great and Small debuted on PBS, the new one, of course. So I'll have a few thoughts about that, as well as the start of A Discovery of Witches. Uh, I have actually watched the first episode so far. I haven't read the books at all, but... I still feel like I know I have a sense of what's going to come. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, we'll, I'll talk about it in a little bit. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I caught up with Pre- Promised Neverland and I'll just give a few, very few thoughts on like my take on the premiere. We'll talk more about that next so week. I'm, I'm sure. already behind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, they, they drop on Hulu on the day we record at noon while we're both working. So, you know, it's, yeah. you know. It's understandable. Uh, but we'll have more of that next week. And then we'll round things out with RuPaul's Drag Race Congratulations, which is the uh, second premiere, as far as I'm concerned. And then this week we're getting the third premiere oh, <laughs> of <no>. season 13. <laughs> um, so first off, though, we have Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And uh, these, like, I felt like there was chock-a-block full of music this episode. Yes. But I also felt like most of it I could give or take. Um, mm-hmm. down to what they clearly thought was their super clever and fun montage of songs, which did not work for me even a little bit. Skylar mm-hmm. Ashton was trying so hard. Bless him. Uh, not his fault. It, it really didn't work for me. But you know what did work for me is the, the, the characterizations we were seeing for Zoe, I thought were, was really terrific here. And I thought they, they did a lot to assuage my concerns about her motivations for moving her and Max's relationship to where it's at right now. Um, so I, I actually really ended up enjoying this episode quite a bit, even if I wanted to be more thrilled with the musical numbers. When they had the big number start at, at work, I kept waiting for it, to, and then it just kind of fades back away and doesn't really commit to it and go all in, and I was... I was disappointed. I don't know. You've seen much more of the show than I have because I've seen three episodes. Is this more typical or is the premiere more typical? This is a little more typical. Okay. Um, of how these numbers get staged. Um, I, I mean, I liked the bad, bad thing, um, choreography. I liked it all in the desk chairs. I thought that was really fun. Um, but it does also kind of just fade out. Um, for me, I this. I agree and disagree with your point about the medley that we get with their almost sex scene <laughs> um, at the end. My problem with it is, is that it's a really good joke. It's a very good joke of you're literally singing about baseball, which is a great, wonderful, perfect joke. But then it just doesn't go anywhere and yeah. we just kind of keep getting it over and over again. Um, so while I like a good bit of the choreography that gets played out across for both of them, across that sequence, just the joke never escalates anywhere, uh, which is disappointing because, again, it's really good. And like you said, Aston is is really good and doing a really great, great work with it, but it's just... There's no escalation, and that's kind of like one of the larger problems with a lot of their numbers is that there's not quite that escalation that you're looking for. Uh, that being said, I'm really glad about uh, the women from the fifth floor coming onto the fourth floor. I'm very, very excited about that um, because woof, I've really needed a dynamic change up on the with the programmers. Mm-hmm. Um, just needed it since season season one and so i'm really glad that they're doing that now so i'm excited about that and i'm really interested in seeing what that does and i hope that they get to play nut puncher <laughs> yeah uh because you know the 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 new girl one of the, that one of the new girls uh right who was uh so excited for that it will destroy if given the opportunity uh, yes. yeah i kept waiting for that scene with the the four coders in the elevator like this is must be the last you know when's the last time there were four women coders in an elevator uh was i kept waiting for it to connect in with something or like i was like oh this must be a season one thing i don't know about it seems and i was just very charmed when it wasn't a bigger thing when it was just like there was no group number or there wasn't any music it didn't take us off on a tangent i was like oh that's just in there just to be in there that's delightful i love it and then at the end when she makes the realization i was like oh okay well that also works and makes a lot of sense. However, I have very big questions as to how this company is run. 
Oh, uh, yeah, no, Spark Point is horribly run. Just horribly run, in case that wasn't clear from this everything. entire episode. <laughs> yeah, because, like, they just, like, you three, go do a completely different job on a different floor for a different department. And you three, come in, because I snapped my finger. That's not how anything No, works. it's not how that works. It like, is not how that works. It would have been one thing if they were hiring for some reason. Yes. Th- that would have made more sense. Um, especially if they had the bros in charge of hiring and like the, you know, that was a part of like, uh, Zoe's new responsibilities and she was like balancing these other things. So she was letting them take point and then realized she needed to change the culture. Like it could have tied in a lot better if it it was that, but then you'd have to explain their budget when their watches are exploding. Right. So I get why they went the the way that they did, but it (laughs) didn't make any sense. Um, I, I am looking forward to what opportunities having new people and at least a somewhat of a shakeup in the demographics of the programmers will do for the rest of the storyline um, at work. I thought the stuff with Simon worked pretty well. I don't have any of the backstory on whoever was over the, the TV webcam thing. Um, He's I, the founder of SparkPoint, who's no longer, like they said, no longer technically allowed to run SparkPoint. And he was, like, um, Lauren Graham's boss, um, but is now, like, under house arrest or something, or something. It's very unclear to me, but it also doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I wanted Zoe to do more leading, because <laughs> um, she doesn't do any of that. that is, it, I'm waiting for the show to justify her having that job, aside from the fact that she's the main character. On the mm-hmm. show, and I'm hoping that will happen. Maybe it won't. Did that happen in season one? What do you mean? Well, is there anything in season one to get us to see why she would be given that job? Because there's been nothing in season two. Not particularly, uh, especially taking over Warren Graham's job as like the manager of that. It's very much a you're the main character. You're also the highest, like the highest ranked person on this floor. Mm-hmm. Now that. Uh, Graham's characters left and Graham and there's a little bit of a explanation that we see her as a half decent manager as she like grows into the role a little bit but it's generally really kind of eh, don't think about it <laughs> um with it and I think that's kind of what's happening here again as well um I like that there is this imprint of I'm going to shake things up to try to get my team back on track uh, type of deal and also maybe provide a little bit more support to my actual manager. Um, But we'll see how that goes going forward. I liked what we got with Max and Mo. Um, Just all the, the, I I assume at, at some point we'll meet this other former friend that would be a lovely thing to have pop up several episodes down the line um it's still a terrible idea this whole restaurant thing but it gives us some fun things to work with i liked zoe defiling make overnight with with her ulterior motives um i thought that was but then her ultimate makeup night gave off like really huge bernadette peter's peter's vibes and i was here for it yeah no it was delightful it was worth it because we got the later full body makeover thing yeah absolutely um and i also thought the stuff at home worked pretty well with um with with the the sister-in-law and the her sister and and all of that poison was a pretty good um number even if it's just such a it's just such a tropey thing and not in a satisfying way to have the free spirit sister who's unreliable and just shows up, or brother, you know, shows up and causes trouble so that the responsible one can show how responsible they are. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't all that great, but hopefully it'll lead to more things. We'll see. Hopefully. I mean, also, but also, like, I know people eat tripe for breakfast, but no, just no. No. I just, like, how is this, how is this place staying in business with... How, how many options do they have if they have, like, if, if they have tripe breakfast burritos? How many other breakfast burritos do they have that they're selling? And when does somebody get up to start prepping tri- that tripe? Because tripe takes, is it, that's got to be yesterday's tripe, right? Because it takes hours to get tripe, you know, edible and yeah. delicious. Um, so, yeah. Though I, it's been way too long since I had a breakfast burrito. I would, I would, yeah. 
Yeah. That's the thing. You know if a place has a tripe breakfast burrito, then it's going to be good. Because you can't yeah. sell a bad tripe breakfast burrito. Yeah, you can't sell a bad tripe burrito. Anyways, um, any final thoughts on Extraordinary for the List? No. Um, I'm excited for you to get, like, based on the preview, a lot of Simon next week. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes for you. I can get invested in the in the the shipping and the triangle and everything. I already don't like Max in the uh, Simon thing, the controlling yeah. shitty thing. So we'll Which see. Which doesn't seem like him. So I'm really confused about that. But yeah, yeah. Here we'll we go. See. I like that the family has you know has like a, some sort of a side bet going over the two dudes so i thought that was fun um our next episode is the amber ruffin show which is back for 2021 we had to mention this for you know obviously amber's game of nazi fascist or traitor which is delightful but also side helping of amber's sister lacy and her new book <laughs> you'll never believe what happened to lacy um i've been hearing about this for a while uh ruffin mentioned this on a podcast that i listened to like i want to say like a year ago she was working on it so i'm i'm excited that it's coming out i thought that some of the stuff with lacy worked some of it didn't but i was willing to go along for the ride because the show has engendered so much goodwill what did you think of this episode so Nazi fascist trader is really, really good uh, and really delightful and exactly the kind of thing I kind of needed after last week. The stuff with Lacey, I agree, was really hit or miss. I think that the interview segment was pretty solid. I think that the guess that ooh bit, while really funny for the first three minutes, goes on just enormously too long. Way too long. Uh, like much, It's a great idea. It's a great long. idea for a sketch. I love it. It's great. Um... It's way too long of a. <laughs> it's way too long of a segment. Um, Lacey needed to get way more of them correct, yes. so they needed to trim that down in editing. Yeah, so that that kind of brings a lot of like that kind of sucked a lot of the fun out of it, and then it comes back around. But mm-hmm. then you're just like, but I, but I don't want to come back around. I want it to be all rise, all <laughs> rise. So that's kind of where it ended up. But I mean, it was still really good to have the show back. Mm-hmm. Um, since we had had a little bit of a break and I was just like, yes, it's back. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the more reliable, like, you know, YouTube staples. If I haven't already sought out Peacock to watch it. Um, the, my parents got a Roku for, um, for Christmas. And so I've, we've, I've shown them how they can watch it on, on their Roku now. Um, mm-hmm. so they, they, we are actually watching that this episode which is i think the first full episode they've watched because goodness knows they are not watching peacock uh on their own that's not gonna happen so yeah yeah um our next episode is all creatures great and small which is the new adaptation of the series of novels um british novels this is i think a pretty charming uh first episode it really introduces the characters i've heard of but not watched the original series um i just know it's about a country vet have you read the book no i've not read the book probably not Okay. No, no, but uh, but I think they do a good job of introducing characters. It's like, oh, okay, well, here's the meet cute, here's the future love interest. Okay, here's this, here's that. Um, but they do, I think, a good job of capturing some of the, you know, enough of the financial woes that put the character in the position to, you know, be really need this job to be the apprentice to the vet- the country veterinarian and establish him as a city boy who's now out in like there's just nothing and and. They don't go over the top with it, but you do get a sense of how this would be so, you know, well, the opposite of claustrophobic. What is, is it agoraphobic? The open spaces? Like how oppressive, you know, if you've always lived in, in a city to then go to wide open country, nothing for miles and miles and miles, except these skinny country roads, uh, could it would just be very jarring. And I, But I appreciate that they did that rather subtextually without... Um, hitting you over the head with it without doing any like gimmicks or tricks or anything it feels like it'll age really well in a way that say sherlock which has uh uh we all know my moffity issues with sherlock but it has been uh on a bit of the rotation in the house uh the the past few weeks as my mom's been looking for things to watch while she quilts and um uh this is not aged nearly as well this will age better <laughs> um, i'm i'm very certain um the performances are solid the there's enough there's a good balance of content in this first episode for character and plot and uh comedy and uh some some 
you know, low level stakes. It's very charming and and pleasant and a good comforting escape viewing kind of thing if that's what you're into. So, okay. you know, it's basically what you would uh, uh, what you would expect from All Creatures Great and Small if you know almost nothing about it except that it's on PBS Masterpiece and it's a like a beloved um like kind of charming rural, you know, countryside veterinarian kind of show. So, yes, it is that what's on the tin is what's inside and I will probably keep watching at least for now. Um, a discovery of witches had its first episode of season two and season one ended with our lead couple time traveling. Um, and now they're back in the day with, uh, like Christopher Marlowe and Walter Raleigh and all of them who of course are all demons of some sort, uh, or at least friends with, you know, our vampire protagonist, um, while they're trying to, uh, navigate, all the witch and vampire stuff that's going on, but but also then all of the religious strife and conflict happening with seeking out, like hunting down Catholics within England. And there's a lot of that. I think that it's a good, like, it's not amazing this first episode for me, but I think people who know and and love the books will probably appreciate the, you know, seeing these characters that I'm sure they're, they've been very much looking forward to from the books. Uh, Kit, I think gets, is okay is solid i wanted more the other characters do not make enough of an impression but i'm optimistic that maybe they will with more time um i i wanted more i wanted more flair I wanted more personality for some of these characters. I like to compare it to again. I haven't seen very many romance uh, adaptations, um, so to compare it to Outlander, like characters show up in Outlander and you immediately know who they are. You immediately have a sense of their personality, and you can tell if you know that it's an adaptation of a book that oh, I guarantee you that this side character with three lines is somebody's favorite from all the books, and like there's a lot of depth there that the actor can play with and kind of like know about and augment the little bit they're given to do without being overly showy because there's more there. I don't get that sense from the supporting characters that pop up here as part of, you know, the circle that we get, you know, Claremont's uh, circle. So hopefully there'll be more with that um, in coming episodes. But I thought that there was a enough kind of blend of, um, Oh, yeah. a person outside of time, you know, like, oh, look, it's it's the cathedral. And when it's not next to skyscrapers, it sure looks tiny. It sure looks huge, you know, kind of. So there's there's some good, um, you know, where are you from? I'm from Cambridge, Massachusetts. But you don't need to know that. <laughs> you don't talk like anyone from Cambridge. What can I say? I'm maybe from the, the west of Cambridge. Because, um, <laughs> of course, the witch, for those who don't know, she is American um, and she's very much in old timey. Old timey England. So um yeah, there's some there's some costume porn, not enough, right? There's there's some cool outfits, but you know, they're kind of scaling that back, which is more realistic. There's a the nice little shout away or throwaway moment where um she's in uh she gets put in the sisters, one of the sisters' dresses, and um and they they're gonna have some new clothes made for her, and the and Matthew says says like okay well we can't, certainly can't go anywhere while you're wearing that horrid thing and he's like that's like twenty years out of date and it was made for the court so like that level of awareness of like twenty years out of date still seems old timey to us but to anybody in that time period it would be like what are you wearing what's wrong with you you're from a rich family like yeah you would stick out like a sore thumb so i i appreciated that kind i mean i don't know how accurate that line was but it's a good line it's a good thing to be thinking about in the background of what is your time travel narrative going to be like um for people who are not of that time period from modern day going back to then so um yeah it's fun i wanted more but it was enough to keep me watching. I'll watch more. More on this when it is appropriate. Um, next, we have The Promised Neverland. And I'm not going to say too much because I know you haven't seen episode two yet. We get some um, some information from okay. a source that we, I think, can trust. And that's it's interesting. So we get some backstory that, you know, has, will fill in some gaps. Um, I agree that first episode is too slow. And also the second episode <laughs> is too slow. I'm starting to get concerned about what the week-to-week viewing experience is going to be because like there's some really good and uh, thoughtful and interesting 
character kind of stuff and decision making that happens that we get uh, some beautiful shots and animation and like tableaus kind of a thing. Um, but I definitely like I want them to get going a little bit. So we'll we'll yeah we'll, we'll see what happens in the next episode and um, I will leave it there. More on this next time. I was a little worried about that, based, just based on the first episode of the pace. Because, um, well, I don't think that the show was even slow when I was watching it week to week in season one. It definitely took a little while to pick up steam after, like, the premiere episode, where you're just like, wait, what the hell? And then it kind of needed to settle, but I, I am a little worried about the fact of, wait, what are you... What is our antagonistic presence really for this season and how do we outsmart it which was the crux of season one was like the game of cat and mouse and what's the game of cat and mouse this season because it's not the scary demon with the giant sword and his demon Mm. hounds yeah (laughs) well yeah more on this or is it this next week uh our last episode is rupaul's drag race uh which the second episode which is congratulations though of course as we record this noel i don't know if you know this but rupaul's drag race uk season two started today so oh yeah i know like i i don't want there to be drag uh, like a different drag race on constantly but i also am (laughs) like i really like uh, UK season one, right? Yes, I would did. like to be following this, but I don't think I could be following Drag Race UK and Drag Race at the same time, at least if I'm writing about one of them. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah. curious what you thought, though, of our second premiere, which was followed the format of last season's premiere. Uh, did the, did these seven yes. queens live up to the, the spotlight that they got? I think for the most part, yes. I I was generally pretty impressed with this group of queens. I liked a lot of their runway looks. Um, their their like their seasonal mm-hmm. looks or daytime, nighttime looks. And I was a little iffier on their like category is main main stage looks. Le may you stay. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Um, little iffier on a couple of those, but overall, I was generally pretty happy with the looks. Um, so we can kind of get into the looks in a minute, but mainly I want to complain a little bit about this whole Elliot with two T's is a spy. And it's just like, where the fuck is this coming from? The producers. What is this nonsense? <laughs> yeah, no, it. <laughs> this makes no sense. It does make no sense. But you know what? It does make sense to me as the kind of thing that when you've been quarantining for two weeks to go sh- sh- uh, shoot this show and then only around like like a handful of people, the kind of things that start to make sense. And they've taken, because they take their phones. So like, you know, you feel like we've been all cut off during COVID, but like now imagine you don't even have the internet, right? Uh, When they're filming this stuff. So like, that's the kind of thing that starts to make sense when you're in that context. And then like you get some distance and you look back, you're like, that was really dumb. Why was I like, why did I go along with that? Like for so like, why was I so invested in fill in the blank, like reality show, like the the latest, uh, like whatever ridiculous uh, thing is going on in, in like the tabloids or, you know, why was I so invested in name a Kardashian? I don't know. Um, so for me, actually, I thought it was kind of entertaining in that way. Um, and also they, I think if, they wouldn't have had this whole Elliot the Spy thing if Elliot had been like, yeah, so they kicked me out. And then it would have been like, oh, well, obviously you weren't good enough for uh, to be a winner and you got kicked out by the losers. So, you know. But we definitely don't think you're a spy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so the, the, the fact that they stretched out Elliot telling them why he's there, uh, like with that team, I think led to that kind of narrative. But... but it's over pretty quickly. Um, I thought that the the that was their silly storyline to go with the Gottmik stuff, which was I thought uh, right. very nice. The like watching watching him talk about this the pronoun stuff with Olivia, I thought was really good. But then pairing that with, I guess him talking about her meaning his drag personas like fashion and how he loves to basically get his titties out as his drag persona um Mm -hmm. but only since getting top surgery and actually having his like feeling comfortable and at home 
in his body and being able to play with that and play with what that means as his drag persona um, for, for her, like that was really neat. And uh, again, the, the, the distance that drag race has come, like, don't get me wrong. Like, RuPaul and fracking, like there's lots of ways in which Drag Race is massively behind where it should be. Um, however, they it has come a long way since the early seasons where it was like if you you could not you would get cut immediately if you didn't pad if you didn't wear uh, like cutlets or some other sort of like like fake chest kind of a thing. Um, that is no longer a di- disqualifier, but it definitely was in the early parts of the season. Like you read as boy to me was a really yeah. uh, common critique of people who didn't pad. So like, uh, I, I really, it's it's really nice to see that the show is morphing over its 13 seasons. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and uh, bringing up uh, Mick is got milk is really great because Mick's got all the best looks in this episode. Um, oh, they're so good. They're they're, they're, just... they're so good, which is it's good because the performance wasn't great. But like, if you're gonna not be amazing in your performance, come out in that Lemay look. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, just come out in that, and it's just like best thing of the entire night. It looks, it was great. The latex daytime was fantastic. Yeah, the the night and the contrast with the nighttime look was fantastic. Like, yeah, Got Mick is they're 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 not messing around. Like they are not. like a lot of these queens had some really like the other one, of course, is Simone, who crushed it. But um though the nighttime look wasn't good. No, it was not. But but I liked Tina's too. I didn't like uh I didn't like the nighttime look for Tina, but I really liked the daytime with the tutu that did because uh, you know, in the talking heads he talked about it being a bit Dior, and I got a very like new look, but tweaked kind of vibe from it with the angle of the of the tutu skirt with the top and everything and so i liked that look a lot more than most people did and i was all about the tin woodsman um drag at the end i thought the tin woodsman was solid but the face makeup was not as good as it should have been um it doesn't hit the hairline as strongly as it should have uh which was really really distracting um i was it's a stupid thing to also be distracted by but I understand that the strap needed to be brown to like really carry through the idea of the hatchet, but it was really distracting to me before I realized that it was a hatchet shaped like clutch. Yeah. Um, I was just like, yeah, yeah. Th- why is this getting ruined by this clutch? Um, and then like, because they never did a, f- they never did a wide enough shot that I could see the shape of the clutch when they were walking down the runway. So it wasn't until the judging that I went, Oh, that's really fun. Um, and also, the only other thing I really do have to say is Candy is very, 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 very lucky that you weren't eliminating anyone this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I really like Candy, but like, oh man, in the performance, that was that was bad. That Perf- was not good. Performance was bad. The Halloween The look, looks were not good. The nighttime look yeah. was really bad. And then the Austin Powers... Uh, Fembot, yeah. Fembot was also very bad. Um, I was just... It was, like, okay, I don't think it was very bad, but it was definitely much worse than everybody else. Mm. Like, it was a a tier lower than all the other queens. Yeah. Yeah. I would even say, like, a couple of tiers lower, um, because, well, I didn't really like Elliot's look very much. At least it looked better. um, Yeah. And, like, looked more polished and made more sense to me than the... Fembot homage, which was just a fembot <laughs> yeah, costume. Yeah, it just was. It just was that. Yeah. Well, and you didn't like the nighttime look. I was okay with the nighttime look in sort of, but it was very costumey. Yeah. But the the daytime look, I was like, what is happening? I like the wig, mm-hmm. but I didn't like the makeup. Though some people seem to really like the makeup and the dress. I was like, what? What is happening? I'm so confused. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I mean, Simone just crushed it. But I also thought that Olivia's uh, Olivia looked gorgeous mm-hmm. um, in the 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 Lemay outfit. That, but that was I thought all head right, like face the paint and wig. I thought the dress actually I wanted it to be sewn better. Yeah, I, I was like like this should be like take the same concept but just execute the sewing a little better. And I would have liked it a lot better. Um, I thought the lip sync was pretty darn good though. What did you think? I did like the lip sync as well, and I agree with you about um, Olivia's dress. Like, there was just a tailoring issue, um, but I also very much got what 
they were going of what olivia was going for but yeah no the lip sync was solid um and so i'm excited i'm glad yeah so i'm excited and i am also really keeping an eye on simone who i think has a lot to offer as well um so i like their looks so i'm i'm intrigued i am not excited about a third premiere episode (laughs) just like no stop um but we'll see how it goes so i'm excited to see what the eliminated queens prove Mm -hmm. listeners that was just a long series of air quotes quotes. (laughs) yeah i think they would have been better off doing a first episode with the the like the way that they did and then making this a double episode like like a two-hour kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Or like doing a two-hour premiere where you have the first... Ha- like you have the lip syncs and then you have the an actual set of challenges kind of a yeah. thing. Because if it was the same... Because like I, basically they're doing the same thing as last season, only they also added the how we split them into teams thing beforehand. And I think kicking off the season with those lip syncs actually worked really well and was really cool. But spreading it out over three like calendar weeks... Yeah is really, like, I I like that we're spending this much time with any of the queens before they get eliminated, because clearly these are a bunch of really talented Mm -hmm. performers. And they all spent so much money, like, getting prepared to be there, and they all, like, it's a polished cast. This is not, some casts you're like, okay, there's a solid three, four queens that are just cannon fodder. Um, But I don't feel that way. I haven't felt that way in the last couple seasons. Uh, Definitely not season 12. I'm not, not season 13. So if they're going to like, if, if this is your shot at drag race, I appreciate that they are making sure that they give each of these Queens a real solid opportunity to find and launch a fandom for themselves from their time on the show. Um, But Three weeks is too many weeks without an elimination. And I haven't seen the next episode yet, but I feel pretty darn confident saying there's not going to be an elimination next time either. No way. Because there wasn't last season. Um, so, like, that's, it's, it's too many weeks. So, a double premiere, like a two-hour thing to kick things off and, like, have the first set of challenges would have, I think, been a smarter way. But then they burned their, like, the whole point is ad money, right? So. Yeah. I get it, but it's a less satisfying viewing experience. Um, any final thoughts on this episode? But I mean, the song wasn't all that great. Didn't really work. Last, <laughs> I'm that bitch was way better <laughs> last season uh, with with Widow and her fries. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the actual performance just didn't really register for me in any way. So I was just like, eh, this is fine, and I am at the point in which I do not care about choreography and rehearsal dramas. So it's just mm-hmm. like, whatever folks. I, I, I so appreciated Elliot being like, uh, I'm new and they already don't like me. So I'm not going to try to tell them what to do with their choreography. Savvy gameplay. Um, and, <laughs> and then also getting like, okay, but seriously guys, we have like another three minutes of, of this. We need to, and just being like, okay, shuffle to the turn to this pivot to that. And then like, Let's get things moving. Also, Lala Ree. Lala Ree with the reactions during that rehearsal. Hilarious. Yes. That so is good. a good point. Very here for it. Um, well, we'll have more thoughts next week after we've seen the next premiere. Um, uh, but for now, what wins your week in TV? Um, Zoe's question? I guess Zoe's. I didn't watch a lot of stuff that I was particularly bowled over by this week. So Zoe's. Ah, uh, Amber Ruffin. I'll give it to Amber Ruffin this week. What about you? Well, Lodge 49. Um, and then, uh, then I guess Drag Race? Sure. I mean, rewatching Elementary? I've got the parents in Elementary now. Okay. Because they were watching different Sherlock Holmes adaptations, and I was like, you know, since you finished, they had to stop watching Sherlock Holmes, the, the Sherlock adaptation, because it was bothering, like, it was just too much for them. I was like, oh. Yay! Uh, uh, and then they did the mom did the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies, and so I was like, well, if you you know if you if you'd like, there is you know we could put some elementary on. It's on Hulu. It's right here. Click yeah. click. Uh, what season okay. are you in, by the way, on that season? They're on season one. Okay, but what about you? Yeah. Did you finish? Oh, I finished. Okay. Oh yeah. So you're just I starting over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like you know, because I I find if 
if I only watch the stuff I'm supposed to watch, uh, I just end up holed up by myself all the time because sure. I'm working all day and then teaching all night and then like decompressing again, still alone. So, um, and also the stuff that I'm we're watching for the podcast, most of it is not either not stuff I want to watch with my parents or uh, not stuff that they want to watch. <laughs> so um, this is a good like you know if we can be like okay we're done watching you know the the news and all of all of, all of that let's put on uh, what do you we can watch on our lunch sure yeah if you guys want to oh, much better yay no talking heads um so anyways that was a long way to say i'm gonna give it to drag race okay so, yeah let's take a break listen to uh, a trailer for young justice outsiders and come right back with our season spotlight This is Cat Grant reporting live for GBS from the Markovian Royal Palace. Meta-human trafficking is an international scourge. Children and teens are being abducted. The way our daughter was. We have confirmation. On multiple worlds, Earth's metahumans are being deployed by the enemy as weapons of mass destruction. Intel was on the money, Oracle. It's definitely another meta-human trafficking lab. And let's shut them down. may have been compromised. Good luck, and welcome to the jungle. Bulletproof. That's annoying. We are on a mission in space. Just like the Justice League. Let's run it again. Uh, Dick, we might want to note it. just want to leave. Your trespass must be punished. Wrong answer. Young Justice Outsiders premiering January 4th only on DC Universe. Join now. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Colson, joined by Noel Kirkpatrick. That was a trailer for Young Justice Outsiders, which is the third season of Young Justice, which is an animated series now available on HBO Max, originally available on DC Universe. So now I don't think I've seen... Have we done Young Justice? And I just yes. forgot. We did Young Justice those two seasons, and then it's been yes. a while. And now right. we're doing... we we did it before I moved to Tacoma. So I, we I was still in Everett. Okay. So at least two years ago. Okay, it's been a so while. So we did it in 2016 or 2017. Okay, thank you for reminding me. We had like, a guest, too. Yeah, well, well, that was like, I feel like I've seen this, but also I feel like I don't remember this at the same time, but I'm familiar mm-hmm. with the language of the show, you know, the visual language mm-hmm. and everything. So I was yeah. being very confused. We've watched a bunch of, of stuff over these years. Um, what did you think of this uh, season were you looking forward to it were you you know excited to catch up with it and and how did they handle their you know their 26 because it's two 13 episode arcs that are really one long arc how, how did they handle that format and, and was there you know was there enough there there for this so as listeners may or may not remember since kate clearly doesn't clearly remember, i don't um, yeah I'm a, no, I'm, a, I'm a bad I'm host. I'm not a huge fan of Young Justice. Yeah. Even though I suggested doing this, uh, listeners. But I'm not a big, big fan of the show when it was on Cartoon Network, where they were originally. The plotting, particularly in season two, I think is really spotty. And a lot of it was never as character-driven as I kind of wanted it to be. Because I liked a lot of these characters, and I liked a lot of the interpretation of these characters that I just wanted more time with them. And I remember in season one being really frustrated that the character stuff never really came to fruition until until towards the end of the season. And then because of the five-year time skip between seasons one and two, they just skipped over a bunch of stuff of character development and character growth and all sorts of really interesting, delicious things that... I didn't get to see because of the time skip. So season three has a two year time skip from season two. And this is like probably like the correct 
number of years for a time skip where I'm not going to be angry about everyone being slightly different or all this sort of stuff. Like, it doesn't bother me that we've skipped over Connor and Magan uh, getting together, buying a house, settling down, and that kind of a thing. It doesn't bother me. Um, what made me ultimately kind of pretty keen on Young Justice Outsiders, which I was not expecting when I went into it, was a twofold kind of deal. The first was, this almost feels much more like an animated soap than it does an action series, which I really appreciated. Um, like, there's an action sequence maybe each episode, but you can tell that they have a slightly, they have enough of a reduced budget. They can't do wall-to-wall action like they used to do uh, on Cartoon Network because they just didn't have the budget. So there's a lot more emphasis on character interactions and some of, like, the emotional interiority of the characters. So it all feels a lot more character-driven than plot-driven, which I was really keen on, even if sometimes... I don't need to hear Troy Baker in his horrible Eastern European accent talk about patience for mm-hmm. eight episodes in a row. Don't need it. But that aside, that I thought worked really, really well. The other thing I really liked was the ways in which it significantly, not significantly, but complicated enough of the hero's various dynamics, especially towards the end once we found out everything's a lie. <laughs> Um, that I really liked how that got played out and how that got into other, like, kind of squishy gray areas for false flag operations against ourselves and this kind of a whole thing. So I found it actually kind of resonant, uh, even though this was released in 2019 and probably produced across 2017 and 2018. So I ultimately ended up really enjoying it, and I was very much surprised by that. I didn't even mind, like, the heavy, heavier emphasis on Apocalypse stuff. Because normally that's a no-go for me, but I liked it here, and I particularly liked how they integrated it with Halo, who I think is just the best character. Yeah. (laughs) It's not close. Um, So, yeah, it's not even close. Like, it's a terrific uh, character conception. It's a really terrific vocal performance from uh, Zero Fazal. Um, So, just really, really solid. So, that's kind of, like, big picture stuff, That how I felt about it. Uh, how did you feel about it? Uh, sort of reacclimating yourself, basically, to Young Justice. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm sure I had a very different experience with this than I had with the first two seasons. Um, if I'm remembering correctly now that, you know, we've talked about it a little bit and it's jogging my memory. I think I watched the first two seasons of this in, like, two days. Um, to get it, so I that think I you probably did. So that I could get it, get, fit everything in, um, to talk about it on the podcast. So that's, it's all very much a blur. Um, this I spaced out a bit more, which helped. And, but also, you know, th- there is quite a difference in the pacing and in how they're approaching it. And that I also I mean, of course, I'm all about that soap shit. Like, like all the relationships and the 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 back and forth. And there's, like, you know, I also have a very different relationship with some of these characters than I did two, three years ago. So, like, all the, you know, like, Rita Farr shows up, and I know who that is now, and, or at least I know a version of who that is now. Um, Jefferson Pierce, right? I have a very strong connection with that, with that character, or at least the idea, you know, of that character, even if it's a totally different version. Um, so there's, you know, that really, that really flavors the experience watching it. I also think that, I mean, the two-year jump is a good amount of time. Absolutely. It it works well. But it also has a good, I think, balance of characters where we can have them deal with some pretty significant stuff and then just, like, turn the camera away and deal with somebody else for a while and then come back and they're still mulling, as they should be, given the timetable of the show. Uh, because, like, the the level of trauma and also just weird stuff that they have to process and you know, decide how they feel about, um, is so high. It's such a heightened kind of thing. Like, for example, Halo's origin and all everything else that's going on, uh, with her, uh, that if you actually gave it <laughs> the time it would need, it would be, that would be the show on its own. And, uh, then you could not be what they want the show to be, which is this kind of action adventure thing. So by having so many characters, to play around with, you could just kind of check in and just do a couple minutes here and a couple minutes there and kind of like, like, where are we at? 
we moving forward? We, you know, kind of stuck. Okay, we'll come back to you in three episodes. Um, and so the audiences had a chance to sit and think about it a bit. The characters had a chance to sit and think about it a bit. And so you don't have what feel like really um, dramatic um, proclamations every episode or that, you know, the kind of thing that you would need to keep things, keep the characters moving so they didn't feel stuck. Um, it just would feel very inauthentic if they try to make those happen every episode. We talked about Halo is the best character because she is. She's awesome. Um, really interesting and, and again, well-written and performed. But also Forager is best, uh, is the other the other best character. Uh, and, and again, it's not close. Uh, so obviously we have a thing for characters who speak in third person, but... That's the joke my partner made this week. <laughs> Why are all your all your favorite characters the characters that speak in third person? What are you talking about? Forger is best and Ice Bear is best. And I just went, oh, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just, Forger is best. Forger is super fun and interesting and a different, a completely different uh, type of character than the rest. The rest have a sameness to them, except for Halo and except for Forger. Um, the stuff with Vic, I thought, worked better for me than I expected it to. Because there's also a bit of other stuff going on with Vic because of the the father box and all of that. Um, and, and again, because there were so many characters, we could turn away from his angst about his dad, which I'm very over hearing about. Like, they did a good job with it on Doom Patrol, don't get me wrong. But I already watched that. I don't need to watch it again. Um, and we could turn away from Brian and his utter lack of patience. And like, I wonder if that's lampshading, guys. Brian. Brian. <laughs> um, and, and instead just like have an episode with McGann and have an episode with Tigress and have an episode with, you know, all these different characters. Some of whom I'm familiar with and some of whom I am very much not. <laughs> like, you know, like, except for the other episodes that I may have seen, you know, several years ago. But I, I have a more, a much more recent connection to a lot of these characters, I do not have a strong connection to Aqualad and to Superboy because it's, I think the only thing I've ever seen them in are the previous two seasons of the show, um, which again, as you said, we're not all that interested in character. So this shift, uh, I mean, it, it comes with like a lot of, um, it, co- it comes with a lot of other things, right? Like, like a lot of, a lot of kind of repetitive storylines and a lot of uh, cackling supervillains and all of that. But I, I think it was overall a good move for the show. I'm curious what people who watch just for the action would have thought. Mm-hmm. They might not be that hot on it, but for me, I thought it was, it was pretty darn successful. And um, it certainly, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very easy and very fun kind of quick, like last week or two kind of watch for me. So I, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think your point about there being a lot of characters to turn to is really important for this because that was kind of like one of the joys of like Justice League Unlimited was like there's a whole there's a cast of thousands here type of deal that we can just dip in and out of. We can do little bits here and there and then get back to like the main core group. And they really kind of take that approach to Young Justice Outsiders with the team, with the outsiders, with the not team team, Mm -hmm. um, all these sorts of like little elements that, like you said, we can drop them for a few episodes, come back to them. And it feels like we didn't lose a thread or that the show forgot about them. Even if it does kind of feel like the show poking fun at itself when it jokes about, yeah, no, I kind of lost track of Vic there for <laughs> a few a few days there. And it's just like, oh, right, Vic. Um, <laughs> but there's also this whole thing of the fact that, yes, it is a cast of a thousand characters, but it is also a cast of like 10 voice actors. Yeah. Many of whom just talking to themselves in some instances. Which is really delightful um, because the Young Justice, when it was back on Cartoon Network, had a obviously, again, had a much larger budget. And so they got a lot more like famous people or larger names to come on and recur a lot more than they do here. Um, so like, um, what's his name? Uh, Peter McNichol voices Ivo. Um, there's a lot more like celebrity voice casting work where here it's like you do, you do like a few lines and then you're out. So like, uh, Marina Sirtis shows up as Queen yeah. Bee real briefly. Um, and Danny Trejo shows up as Bane real briefly. 
Um, and I think generally that all works, but then I just really enjoy the core cast. So like, uh, Carrie Payton who voices, and I'm going to miss a few people here that he voices, <laughs> but he voices Brick, the, um, gang leader, all red, who's virtually indestructible. He voices Calder. Um, and he voices, um, he voices Silas Stone, Vic's dad. Which is delightful because for years, since like the late the early aughts, Carrie Payton has been voicing Cyborg over on Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. Mm -hmm. So he gets to voice Silas Stone now here. And it's just those kinds of like fun layers. Oh, and he also does Jefferson Pierce. Mm -hmm. So when Jefferson's yelling at Caldor, it's just the same actor yelling at himself. (laughs) And I love that kind of stuff. Uh, but all the voice acting, I think, is generally really, really strong. And I'm going to be really curious to see how it goes for season four, because the, a number of people had to record stuff in their homes. Like, Dana McKellar revealed that she recorded all her lines for season four of Young Justice on the bottom bunk of her kid's bed. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the only place to record, which is delightful. So... I think that they also set up some really good stuff to do for season four, even though I'm not excited about the Legion of Superheroes. It is my least favorite corner of the DC universe. That's what the ring is, in case you don't remember from Supergirl. Um, I'm just like, oh, no. I get the impulse, but no. So, yeah. um, Was there anything in particular that stood out to you, like, that you wanted to highlight, apart from, like, the good, generally the good stuff that they do with Halo, uh, beyond the... We're going to say Halo is not a girl, but we're not going to confirm with any other identities or explore this further. <laughs> yeah, the, with Halo, I think that's a good thing to to mention and bring up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm hoping that we might get more with that because she had a lot going on. Um, and and yes. I liked <laughs> she, she was working with a lot. And the reason I say she is that uh, what I saw online with that was that she doesn't identify it as a woman or a girl, but she right. does prefer she, her pronouns. Um, yeah. So, so that's why I, what I was going with, but, um, yeah. but I liked even just like, I mean, not that long ago, you wouldn't have even had that level of representation and awareness. So I appreciate them really engaging with that and taking a second to be like, how does this affect Brion? Right? Like, like, are you okay with that? Do you, you know, like I, I like that they have that level of check-in and hopefully there will be more with that. Um, if they continue this more character kind of relationship-based storytelling approach. Uh, some episodes that we should talk about are everything we get with Beast Boy in, in like, the, the Teen Titans Go uh, episode. You know, like the Doom in, Patrol Go! The Doom Patrol Go in inside the Granny Good goggles. Uh, yeah, just, like, after Harley Quinn, too, seeing some of these characters, especially the villains, right? I remember them much more from Harley Quinn than from other projects. Um, so sure. seeing them here was absolutely delightful with that additional layer of context. Um, But no, I thought that was really fun. Any of these episodes that had a more out there kind of energy to them, I thought worked really well. Mm -hmm. And I, and I also really liked some of like just the, the throwaway gags that were just hilarious. Like the, what's the chaos Lord inside the tower of fate. Yeah. Just like, damn it. Snapping a river portaling still in the tower. Ah, damn it, or whatever he said. Darn, ah, and like just the the sound effect and the visual of that, just repeating. It did not get old for me. There was there was a lot of really cheeky, um, entertaining uh, touches like that that really helped keep things moving and like pacing wise. When you're talking about the promised Neverland, feeling really really slow. These episodes clipped right along at like 22 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um so I could gobble up another set of these really easily. Were there episodes, you know, like I mentioned the the Beast Boy sta- standalone one, were there other episodes that really stood out for you? Yeah, so Nightmare Monkeys is great um for both the Doom Patrol Go thing which is hilarious because in the comics um what call it um Garfield is a member of the Doom Patrol mm-hmm. um, and then becomes a member of the Teen Titans. Um, but then to have the cast of Teen Titans go voice the Doom Patrol characters was also just really fun for me. And I really enjoyed that. Um, let's see. What else worked really, 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 really well? Um, even though it's not like much of an episode, 
Um, I really liked Evolution, which is an episode about Vandal Savage um, and him fighting off a Starro fleet. Uh, and I like it for two reasons. One, I enjoy all the stuff with um, Savage and him that whole perspective of his, I think, comes through much clearer in this season, despite the fact he is not very present in it compared to his machinations across seasons one and two. But the other reason I like Evolution is that it has friggin' Jennifer Lewis as Olympia Savage. And you're like, sure, yes, give it to me. Can we have just, Jennifer Lewis? Then let's have Jennifer Lewis. <laughs> right, exactly. It's just like you're just getting your cake and then you're just like, you're going to eat it too. Um so I really liked that. Um, let's see what else. Um, I will say that there was one thing I, to your point about the jokes, I think there are a lot of really good jokes, but I think my favorite, there are a couple of things I really, really like about jokes in this. First is that there's a lot of off frame yelling at people. I'm going to be fine. I heal. <laughs> Which is just so a very Bart. Yeah. Um, but B, it is also just really, really funny. Um, and they do that uh, quite a bit, especially in the second half. And I really, really like that. I thought that was very, very, very funny. Um, I really like your mention of Clarion in the um, tower. But my question for you is, did you watch the credits of that episode where it's just the Tower of Fate and then you just hear the snap, yeah. darn it, the cat meow, oh, yeah. and all of that. It's just, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it really um, is. Which... Leads me to the end credit frame, which is one of my favorite things about this season of just people sleeping. Yeah. Um, and I was just so gentle. Nice and pe- peaceful. Very restful. Except yeah. for the Lobo thumb. <laughs> well, and, and that was the other thing that I wanted to mention <gasps> is that because I do not care for Vandal Savage. So, like, the yeah. Jennifer Lewis part was the the stuff I enjoyed in that episode. Yes. Um, but I do enjoy Lobo. And so that oh, whole good, thing. Oh, good, because I hate Lobo. That so. whole thing. It, well, it's just so ridiculous and heightened. And because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I wasn't all that worried that they would actually kill Forager. Um, that that certainly helped. I guess, spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Um, but bringing back, like, the little Lobo thumb and, like, the, the direct-to-camera and then squish. And just in case you weren't sure, light it on fire so it can't regenerate was just timed so beautifully chef kiss timing as far as i'm concerned um it's absolutely ridiculous but i was i was very i was very here for it because like i feel like so many of the other villains are just as arch and ridiculous as lobo but are not treated as such for example lex luther i don't care about lex luther even a little bit um but Make, lex luther, having him go whole full trump towards the end of the show is a choice yeah. Well, it's like, at least Lobo has the decency if he's going to be that ridiculous and, like, if he's going to be that that arch. He at least has the decency to wear, like, to, to come in on a on a hog with a leather jacket and, like, that face. Like, he's like, no, we're doing every trope. Everything we can do to signify I'm a bad guy. Um, So, like, I just get, I constantly get frustrated with the Thing you have to accept if you're going to watch DC stuff, which is, I mean, and it is not, not, you know, unreal. It's not like it's not believable at the point, you know, in this, the year of 2021, um, that someone who's so obviously a villain, like they, again and again, how, how people of earth, how are you, how is he in the U.S.? Like, are you got to be kidding me? But then I look at our voting record in this country and I yeah I don't need that though and my escape is fair <laughs> well and here and I'll tell you this because one of the things I did after watching while watching this was like Lex Luthor as the UN Secretary General was weird to me mm-hmm. j- for the reasons it's just like it's Lex Luthor I know he got elected president in the comics and was like yeah whatever but UN Secretary General feels like an even bigger stretch and here's why so the Security Council picks the whomever is going to be the Secretary General of the UN. The Security Council gets to do that. In the history, uh, and then they submit the name to the General Assembly, and the General Assembly ratifies it, typically without fail. Um, but any of the five permanent members of the UN Security Council have veto power over any nominee for it, which means no member of the permanent 
no country that sits on the permanent side of the Security Council has ever had a representative as the uh, Secretary General, which means Lex Luthor somehow convinced all five countries to vote for him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and okay him as a representative from the United States to be the Secretary General, because it wouldn't happen in real life. No, it would not. (laughs) Um, not. So he convinced China, France, the United States... um, England and Russia to all vote for him. Um, and I was just like, I mean, props, Lex, I guess. Sad, but, you know, props. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, um, yeah. I just, he's never interesting to me. Like, the only time I've ever been interested remotely in Lex Luthor is, like, some of the the better episodes of Smallville. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I never have found that character interesting. So, yeah. That fortunately, there's plenty of other things to keep you entertained and, yeah. and occupied in this season. Um, any final thoughts? Any final episodes of characters we haven't mentioned yet? Um, let's see. I don't think so. We mentioned Fred Bug with we didn't mention Fred Bug with two Gs. We mentioned yeah. Forger, but we did not mention Fred Bug with two Gs. And his sheer relief at being told that the Bug with two Gs was optional. Yeah. With so optional good. G's. Optional two G's. Yeah, it's so Optional good. two G's was very, very good. Um, and I did like how they handled Harper Rowe, who's a character from the comics, uh, who never really caught on. But I I liked when she popped up in the comics. Um, and that domestic abuse storyline, I thought that they did that just well enough mm-hmm. without like making it a very special episode. But it was still landed, I think, pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm 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 surprised to say this, but I'm looking forward to Young Justice Phantoms, which okay. is the fourth season of Young Justice, which again was not expecting to say, but that season will premiere on HBO Max at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. It'll be fun, and you know, again, it'll be a different experience talking about it week to week, I assume. But uh, but yeah, looking forward to it definitely. Thank you for having us watch this. Uh, listeners, mm-hmm. reach out with your thoughts about Young Justice Outsiders and any of the other TV you're watching this week. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed and our MP3 unchaptered feed up in Apple Podcasts where we would appreciate a rating or review. You can also find us in Stitcher and you can rate and review us there as well. And then, of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. Thanks, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. 